0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com Hello and welcome to the Podcast. I'm editor Candice Gibson, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey. Jane and I are huge friends buffs. We can <laughs> stand around the break room over coffee and quote lines among the best of them. And this morning I went over to Jane's desk and was like, Jane, I have this great friends line and I cannot remember the episode that it came from. And it's when um Phoebe is trying to help Ross get over his ex wife remarrying so soon. And she says, You can't be mad about the past because you know You and Emily were in the past, and you're not still mad about the Louisiana Purchase, are you? And Rachel says, well, I don't think anyone's mad about
1: that. (laughs) And I don't think that's true, actually. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's funny, because after you pointed out which episode this came from, and Mm -hmm. I had a context for everything, I was like, who would be mad about the Louisiana Purchase? And Phoebe's so quirky that I typically don't put a lot of stock in the things that she says, (laughs) but people were mad about it
1: yeah at the time i mean now we look back on it and we're like wow they doubled the country in this in this great deal and we were able to expand the country and grow in power but at the time if you think about it um take a walk in their shoes i guess of someone living in new york or something at that time they had a lot of worries about this new land and what they were going to do with it and the people there and how are they were going to handle the people and whether they were were going to become citizens there are so many parts
0: to this equation and I guess it's almost comparable to when the U.S. acquired Alaska, and we know that people were kind of mad about that. It was called Seward's folly because everyone thought it was a bad decision You know mm-hmm. what are they going to use this huge chunk of land for. But. Aside from caribou, perhaps, there weren't a lot of living things that came with Alaska. That's and true. I'm sorry, the native population, of course. I, I shouldn't fail to mention that. But when we're talking about Louisiana, this was a territory that was highly prized because it had a great port and it was perfect for trade. So everyone wanted it and it had changed hands from France to Spain, and then Thomas Jefferson wanted it for the U.S., and there were lots and lots of people there, about 100,000, not to mention the Native Americans, too.
1: That's true. The port was so important. Jefferson actually wasn't that interested in the rest of the land. He sent his, um, his uh, people over, two guys. One was um, a representative to France named Robert Livingston, and the other was James Monroe, who technically had presidential power um, when he went over to make the deal. And Jefferson was like, you know, make sure you get New Orleans. Like, the poor is what's important. And if if you have to, uh, if they make you, buy other land, too. <laughs> sort of like a gift with purchase.
0: And yeah. he wanted to spend only, I think, $10 million
1: That's or right. so. That's right, Yeah.
0: But again, because Monroe was his minister of plenitentiary, he mm-hmm. was invested with the power to act in Jefferson's stead. So when Napoleon said, here's the deal, it's New Orleans, Louisiana, and then this whole other parcel of land for $15 mm-hmm. million, take it or leave it, Monroe said, I take it.
1: That's right. And it actually, uh, he had a few reasons for doing this, um, that it would help out America despite the problems that might come. One was that farmers in the South especially, uh, they hadn't perfected by this time this, uh, this idea of crop rotation. And so, um, the land was being used for particularly tobacco and corn. And these, after a few harvests, it would, um, basically deplete the land of the nutrients that it needed. And so the, the farmers would have to uproot everything and go and move uh, westward basically where more land was and so they could start again with new fresh land.
0: And the nice thing about the Louisiana Purchase and all the land that it gave to the United States was that at the time the borders still weren't clearly defined. So in the minds of the farmers at mm-hmm. least, this was a great opportunity because they could just keep pushing West as long as they needed to, you know, for the sake of their farms and and their crops. And this was maybe a foreshadowing of the later idea of manifest destiny that would come around eighteen forty five, the idea that civilization, you know, could take over the entire North American continent and American ideals could be pushed to, you know, every single corner of North America and, you know, that
1: power would radiate and the Americans felt really entitled to do that. But. Yeah, it seemed rather natural for them to push westward, westward. and now we look back and we were completely comfortable with the idea that the United States looks now, and back then they even had that idea that it was natural for them to move that way and to take more land.
0: I think that was part of the young American spirit, too. You know, they had yeah. won the revolution not too terribly long ago, and people were still excited about being part of a fledgling nation, even though the Constitution was in place, powers were still sort of, you know, shifting and contracting and people were getting used to all the new freedoms that they had. You know, it was a separation from a monarchy and people were still testing the limits of the United States. But Back to the parcel of land in question. So fifteen million dollars. Today it would have cost around two hundred eighty-four million to make that purchase. And it actually didn't technically cost the US fifteen million. It ended up costing them twenty-three million five hundred twenty-seven thousand eight
1: hundred seventy-two dollars and fifty seven cents that's right and that actually it even with that added sum with the, they got with the interest and the loans that they had to take out it still ended up being a really good deal for them only about four cents an acre I think it was isn't
0: that crazy
1: yeah it's a great deal <laughs>
0: so they went over to France around April of 1803 and they got Napoleon to make this deal with them around April, I guess 30th, toward the end of the month. Mm -hmm. But then time was not on Livingston and Monroe's side because Napoleon saw maybe I haven't made the best deal and he was about to take back his offer because I think he realized what he was giving away. That's a ton of land and so Congress was urged to hurry up and ratify this treaty and then it was official. It was Gosh, I'm going to throw in another number at you guys. 529,402,880
1: acres, which today is divvied up into about 13 different states. It's crazy. Well, we could look back on why is it that Napoleon, if this was such a bad deal, why did he sell in the first place? And it turned out that he was kind of strapped for cash. And also the plan that he had, the reason why he got his land back from Spain in the first place was because he had this plan for a colony in the Americas, uh, St. Dominique, I guess, and um, but actually, um, it fell through. He wanted to make money from this colony, but the, the indigenous people there revolted and, and threw off the French, the French rule there. And so when that happened, Napoleon was basically well, why do I have this land at all? And that's when he was willing to s- sell it off at such a cheap price. And even though he kind of uh, learned to regret that decision a little bit, maybe.
0: He did. And part of the price included forgiving a debt that mm-hmm. France had to the U.S. of, I think, about $3.75 million, And it took 20 years for the U.S. to finally pay it off. And and people were, were not happy about it, and, and not necessarily because it was such a huge expense, though that was certainly part of the equation, something that we were talking a little bit about in the beginning, the idea that this was gift with purchase. You know, you, you got a whole lot of land, but you also got around 100,000 people. And to put that in perspective, yeah. you know, by Today's standards, that would be like acquiring another state full of people. You know, the United States wasn't too densely populated back then. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, these people are like, okay, so all these ideals that our forefathers were fighting for, now we're going to have to share them with people who don't have our same religion. They don't have our same customs. They don't even speak the same language as us. How can they be declared
1: equal that's true. And, you know, they didn't have the same history or understanding of the government. And you know, you look at sort of the cities in the Northeast especially, and they had, they had power back then because their areas were so densely populated. And so in the government, they had a little bit more sway. And when all these people were suddenly added, they were like, well, what's going to happen to our power? It's going to be sort of uh, diluted a bit. And also, like, the land is so cheap out there, obviously, we're going to lose some of our own people, and they might move out, you know, in a max exodus.
0: Exactly. So the harshest criticism, like Jane was saying came from places like Boston, Hartford, Mm -hmm. New York, and Philadelphia. And something else that was running pretty rampant at this time was anti-Catholic sentiment and people weren't comfortable with assimilating these people into the U.S. population. And that was a question that That the U.S. had. Should these people be assimilated? Should Louisiana be a colony?
1: Yeah, there was sort of a sense that they wouldn't listen to the government, they would only listen to the Pope.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and that was Mm -hmm. a big problem, especially, again, not to harp on this point, but it is so important. These people had just fought for their freedom, and these foreigners, like Jane said, they weren't schooled in the same history. And another sort of elite idea that people had was that as foreigners, they wouldn't understand or grasp the concept of democracy. Mm -hmm. You know, this was still a pretty lofty term back then, even though
1: it's sort of a a common one to us today. It was pretty novel at the time. Yeah, and It's a little ironic, too. They were worried about these things, but at the same time, they were worried about how um, loosely the people mingled in this new area of the Louisiana Purchase, and blacks and whites and, and, you know, all different kinds of people, and they sort of were seen as more equal, in a sense, or they at least treated each other a little more equal than at least people in the southern states of the United States at the time.
0: And this would eventually lead to the bigger conflicts that escalated into the Civil War. That's right. And if you trace the events back through history, you really can you can see the trouble brewing because we know that the Governance Acts of 1804 and 1805 outlawed the international slave trade. And Mm -hmm. while that may have been bad news for New Orleans, it was good news for the American South because that meant they could you know they could sell off their own slaves and keep it an in-house sort of business. Right,
1: sort of limited the supplies of their own property um, as they saw it rose in value. Precisely. Precisely. And later on, because
0: the U.S. was so big, we would see the Missouri Compromise come into play and we would see that dividing line between North and South and which states would be free states and which states would be slave states. And another group that we shouldn't forget to mention is the Native Americans. And Mm -hmm. a lot, you know, wasn't done for this part of the population, I think Thomas Jefferson's plan was just to, you know, keep nudging them westward and let them deal with the situation themselves. There was no sympathy shown toward them, and we we wouldn't see the kind of cruelty that came with Andrew Jackson's administration on the Trail of Tears for some time, Mm -hmm. but there was no question of assimilating them.
1: That's right, and We didn't really know much about all the different tribes and stuff that were out there. Actually, it took um, an expedition, a special special expedition, right after we purchased uh, the huge plot of land. thomas jefferson actually commissioned these two guys meriwether lewis and william clark to go out and explore uh this new area that they had just acquired and and a little bit more as well and basically his plan was to find waterways basically that would make it easy to bring um products and commodities from one side to the other and they did find some waterways and, and some uh sometimes they didn't but um What they were also commissioned to do was actually explore the land itself and find the plants and the animals and even the Indian tribes there. And that's how we knew, or at least the um, early Americans knew, what was out there.
0: Isn't that crazy to think that if you get that huge parcel of land, like we've been saying all along, you're tasked with the responsibility of dividing it up, you're tasked Mm -hmm. with the responsibility of what to do with the people, but also what to do with the natural resources. I mean, Jefferson yeah. knew he was going to get uh, a happy, bustling port out of New Orleans, but little did he know probably, you know, all the other vast resources that would come with it, too. And so, you know, all along, I think that TJ thought he was making a really, really sound decision But the Federalists, which were still, you know, very politically active at this point in time, Mm -hmm. felt that he was not. And, you know, they, they fought tooth and nail about this, you know, not only about the land, not only about the citizens, but the fact that it was unconstitutional. There was nothing in the Constitution that provided for naturalizing... A
1: group like that, like, yeah there that's was, a big group of people. there was question because there's nothing specifically said in the Constitution, so there was this debate over are there implied powers in the Constitution that would allow this to happen, and that was ultimately the decision. I mean, what else were they going to do basically, I guess, but um it was it was difficult at the time and one of the biggest problems
0: with that naturalization debate was that that had been one of the points outlined in the treaty with France. And again, we know that Jefferson was not the acting person when that mm-hmm. treaty was created. It was Monroe, but still, you know, he was he was held accountable for it. Sure. And, you know, that's what I love about history, is that just looking back at some of these debates about mm-hmm. limiting the president's power, acting constitutionally, acting outside the parameters of the Constitution, it's so fun to see people pushing these boundaries at the beginning of our nation's history. And today, you know, looking at what sort of Problems the president has to face today. And um, a question that's raised in the article that we have about Louisiana Purchase is: you know, Jefferson probably would have laughed at the border <laughs> disputes of today. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's
1: nothing compared to, oh, I just bought, you know, millions of acres of land. I wonder what's out there. Yeah. And the same goes for the constitutional questions. And they've sort of, uh, he would sort of laugh at the kind of things that were, were supposing, like, are, are they implied powers or not? And another clincher for that is that um, we all know Dick Cheney had
0: an accident, a hunting accident, and accidentally shot one of his friends. But Jefferson's vice president... Was Aaron Burr, and he shot Alexander <laughs> Hamilton and killed him. So, That's true. yeah. I mean, again, there probably wasn't a you know a lot of videos circulating on YouTube, you know, um, <laughs> making fun of that. Back and then. actually, <laughs> a
1: similar thing happened with Lewis and Clark's expedition. Uh, Lewis, I believe, was accidentally shot by one of his his crew um, in a hunting accident. So, I guess uh, it's not a very new phenomenon.
0: <laughs> no, sorry about that, pal. What are you going to do? <laughs> anyway, if you want to learn more about the Louisiana Purchase, Lewis and Clark manifested destiny and your best friend and mine, Thomas Jefferson, be sure to check out our site, HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.